success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And we have an invincible one for you today. Rosemary Carminati is a personal development trainer, transformational speaker, and retirement specialist. Rosemary is known for her incredible journey from a thriving 30-year career in corporate business-to-business sales to a life devoted to spreading joy and reducing stress. Her story is a testament to the power of personal growth, resilience, and transformation. As a retirement specialist, she offers proven and sustainable programs to help individuals transition into a fulfilling retirement by pursuing one's passions and prioritizing well-being. For many of those who may be experiencing feelings of anxiety, sadness, or loss of purpose, Rosemary's insights are a beacon of hope and inspiration. Oh my gosh. Welcome. Welcome, Rosemary Carminati. We're so excited to have you here on She's Invincible today. Thank you so much, Cammie. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm absolutely thrilled. So fun. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic because we have so many people in our community that are like, should I stay or should I go? Right. Like they're they're not sure. They love what they do, but they don't want to work till they die. And and oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this today. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? I love that question because to me, They're one and the same. My journey and how I got here is what makes me invincible. I I mean, I wouldn't trade. I seriously, after going through so much of the personal development I've done in the last seven years, I really wouldn't go back and change things. And that's not an easy thing to say. Um, As far back as I can remember, I've been one of those that was always raising their hand. I'll be the leader. I'll be the one to run the show. And it wasn't because I wanted to, you know, oh, get the pat on the back and all that. It's just I always felt this um, innate uh, desire to help people, which is, you know, that's cliche. But I also felt that I had a good skill and it was a gift of organization and kind of thinking outside the box and looking at from the outside in and looking at different ways to come up with solutions. And I think I believe that this came from I have two major role models in my life. And the first one was my mother. Now, when I was growing up eh, in the 60s and 70s, Lord, um, my mother ran for mayor of our city of Meriden, Connecticut, with 70,000 people in the early 70s. She ran for mayor, a woman, no less. Wow. So there was this I mean, you talk about inspiring and she taught me so many things, one of which is, first of all, 
if there is something that you see that needs to be changed, don't be afraid to step up to the plate and try to make a difference. And also not to worry about what other people tell you you can't do. Can you imagine a woman back then? No. And a divorced woman with three children, no less. So so yeah. she has helped form me and, and bring me along this journey. And then I also have an older sister, Sandy, who um, when I was probably about eight or nine years old, she started getting sick. And well, ends up she had Hodgkin's disease back in the 60s and for her whole life battled three different cancers. Wow. Now, I was the youngest in the family. She was the oldest. But the roles reversed without me even thinking about it. I became the one that took care of things and not in a way like begrudgingly. I wanted to do it. And mm. what she taught me is some of the things that I say, the reason I'm invincible is resilience, resourcefulness. I mean, resilience. How could I even think that I couldn't make it through one small thing or another when I had someone like my older sister as a role model. I mean, she was my hero. Mm. Unbelievable. And to think to have a really bad day, it's never really been in my vocabulary because sure. the frame, you know, the ju juxtaposition yeah. to say, oh, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> no, I'm blessed. I'm alive. Mm. And so that helped me create who I was even at a young age. And from those two, they also taught me to take risks. And my older sister, especially, I, I didn't realize it until she just passed recently in October. There were so many times where her uh, vision, uh, the vision of her, even her face would come into my mind when I had a decision to make. And she was the one who helped me say things like, no, to other people's opinions, not to worry about things like that. I always say, say yes, when an opportunity comes along and not worry about the perfection, just mm -hmm. do it, try it. What's going to happen? Take that risk. And then also the big one that I know that she taught me was that instead of sitting back and observing life, because so many people do that out of fear. I might not do the right thing. What will they think of me? What if I fall? Instead of observing, participate. Mm, I love that. That's awesome. So you have 30 years of sales experience. Yes. So, so tell us how you got from this 30 years of sales experience to where you are right now, helping people retire, right? In, well, in the best way possible. I'm telling you, Cammie, my kids, when they got to a certain age, after they saw the movie Forrest Gump, they said that should have been named, named after me because I got out of college and I had a business and poli sci. That's the direction I was going into. Well, sales fell upon me. And with the kind of money and the travel that I got to experience, that turned into 30 years. Where did that happen? You know, and in the meantime, having the children and there's I'm sure a lot of your listeners and viewers have sidetracked and started something different. And in the middle of all that, I became a personal trainer and a yoga teacher. And again, I'm the type of person that takes those risks. So I just kept doing more and more. And it was about seven years ago that I just got to the point where I looked at my life and I said, you know what, all of this success, as we call it, is exhausting. It's stressful. 
And especially in, in a sales career, there's never enough. There's always, what have you done for me lately? The bar is always being raised. And most of mine was self-imposed. I have to say that um, I, I was of the notion, and I've learned since then, the term for it is living in by me level of consciousness. And I mean, be why me. In other words, I believed that if I worked harder, more efficiently, learned more, picked up another skill, took some Zig Ziglar, did this, did that on and on and on. There was always going to be that Holy Grail I was going to reach. And, you know, at 55 years old, when I was, yeah, seven years ago, I took a deep exhale and said, I can't continue this way of life. And there was a whole bunch of other things that came along in the process. And we'll talk about that later. But um, I started taking some more personal development rather than learning the skills. I like to call those things shelf help because, you know, you learn that stuff, but you don't really incorporate it into your day to day life. Mm -hmm. How many of us have gone for the day workshop or the weekend? We take the book of notes. It's data for later. We don't know what we're going to do with it. So instead, I started on this crusade of discovering myself again. And what did I really want out of the rest of my life? And that's where I came across after many different mentors. My mentor is a gentleman named Peter Sage. And usually when I say this next part, people get it. He was a trainer for Tony Robbins for 15 years. So that gives him the credibility. Now, Tony Robbins, to me, like him or not, He's a different type of trainer than I am, as is Peter Sage. More, we are more loving, accepting, raising significance of others. And also the the goal is to live your life in through me, not by me. Knowing and trusting in the faith that you have for yourself, your higher power, those around you that you surround yourself with that they will be the ones that help you reach your goals and just let the rest of those details go. I lived my life in details and data and quotas and. <sighs> yeah. And now, exhausting. Oh my God. The last seven years, the flow, it just has naturally been one thing after another because I have that strong faith in myself and in the resources that I've surrounded myself with. So, and so you- that's what brought me. Yeah. So would you say your passion um, for helping others in retirement and, you know, making that transition, does would you say that more comes from where you were at 55 or your work you've done with Peter Sage or both? It's it started out as a general population type of thing. And I'm sure this is something you can relate to and listeners as well. They find you. Your ideal audience over time, they were the folks that kept coming up to me and and whether it was themselves that identified with some of the things that I was talking about and some of the solutions I had to offer, or if it was someone they knew, it ended up that that in the last couple of years has just, it's been like a migration towards, you know, it's like I tease my husband. I said, sometimes I feel like I'm the Pied Piper because people come up to me without me even telling them what I do. And they start saying, I, I never told anybody this before. Like, 
do I have something written on my back? This is please talk to me and tell me your innermost secrets, you know, but well, um, we do I put energy it, out. So yes, maybe, yeah, yes, I know I'm, att- energy, I'm attracting. Yes. The energy you're putting out is making a safe place for people to want to share that. I love that. All right. Well, today we are talking about retirement, reinvention, crafting your second act. And this is so fun because as you said, like you pointing back to that year of 55, right? And like, and so it sounds like that's about when you started crafting your second act. So, so excited to just jump into this. Let's talk about crafting your second act. All the things that go into it. Where do we start? You like, here's the thing. I either know people who've worked their entire life around the plan for retirement and they have lived their whole life waiting to do everything when they retire and saving Mm -hmm. all their money. And a lot of them died when they retired or before. So they never got to do anything or or use the money. And then I know people that are more like me that are like, oh, my gosh, I have to live before I die. So let's talk about like that in between uh, what's important. What should we be focusing on to prepare and like what should we be doing and not be giving up so we can live our best life? Well, something you said is is, is, is a very interesting statistic. The research shows that the the two most dangerous years in your life are the years you're born, the year you were born because of infantile mortality, right? So we've survived that. And the second most dangerous year is the year you retire. And the reason for that is living, as I call it, rudderless with no aim, no focus, no direction. And when you find a purpose and a direction, you can add up to seven years longevity to your life. So what we look at first and foremost is the foundation. Now, as you said, people prepare. They're oh, I've got my financial plans. I've got my travel plans. I'm going to downsize. I've got my golf membership. And they think Shangri-La happens. Okay, maybe for nine months to a year, everything seems to be wonderful. And for some of us that have already done the work ahead of time, it can continue for the rest of their lives. But if you haven't addressed some of the things that I teach, you're in for a rude awakening after about a year in retirement. One of the first things that we look at is the psychological, the basic psychological needs of human beings. Now, when people talk about basic needs, they usually think water, food, shelter, air, right? Right. Well, what about our psychological needs? Now, I've got a multitude of mentors, so I rarely can attribute which I learned from what. So I'm just going to go ahead and say the six basic psychological needs are the need for certainty, the need for uncertainty, the need for significance, the need for love, the need for growth and contribution. Now imagine, and I can, I can see a picture in my mind with each one of these. When I have a client that comes in and we just start with this, let's start dissecting our needs. For me, it's very simple. Certainty, don't need it. Significance, don't need it. Uncertainty, need it a little bit. I could never work in a cubicle. I need variety. I need to talk to different people. So that I know about myself. Big ones for me and for most people, if they were to admit it, number one would be love. Even those naysayers, oh, I don't need anybody. I don't need love. Yeah, we're born needing love. 
I mean, it's just part of our DNA that we want some type of unconditional love. But the other ones that are big for me are growth and contribution. And I look back from the time I was old enough to talk and walk. I was out there, March of Dimes, this or that, coming up with a lemonade stand to give to such and such. And that has always been a part of me and what drives me to move ahead in my life. So going back to imagining someone who puts all of their energy and all of their identity into their career. And it's because they're certain of their daily activities and they love the significance of the title and the authority and the um, growth. Yes, they probably need the growth too and the day-to-day challenges. Now, what happens if they haven't realized that about themselves and they hit retirement? Mm. where are they getting their certainty? Maybe Netflix, you know, you look up on the TV guide, you can tell what's going to be on Netflix, but you really don't have a lot of certainty. And for some people that can be devastating. For me, not so much. But once you identify and significance, can you imagine? I know I use this example. Imagine you're the high powered CEO with the title and you, you've got it over your door and everybody, you know, it's on your shirt and everything. And all of a sudden you're in stop and shop, schlepping it like the rest of us. Right. Hey, nobody's <laughs> listening to me. Yeah. My um, self-worth comes from that. Now, how do I feel about myself? Mm, this is a big problem. I think in corporate America, where we become who we are, we become our title. And when, we, like, when people lost their jobs, they were they were suicidal because that was who they were, and now they're no one. They don't even know who they are. I love that you're calling this out in retirement because, again, people look at themselves and their worth as their accomplishments, what they've done, the title they have, the mm-hmm. work they've done, the difference they've made. Wow. All right. It's so basic. And and just starting with that so that we can start, like I said, dissecting. And then we have to decide, okay, it's so simple that I say it sometimes when I'm introducing myself. I say, I help my executive clients figure out who they want to be and what they want to do for the rest of their lives. So now they have to decide, okay, now I get what drives me and what you know, gets me out of bed every day. So now let me look at my identity. Identity is huge. And I know you've probably had tons of guests on that have said, you know, our identity to me, I believe this wholeheartedly is something that, yes, um, sometimes we're born with some of it, but it changes and develops and morphs. And quite often it's something we didn't choose. How many times things have been imposed on us from the time we were young before you're seven years old and your frontal lobe hasn't even developed yet. And someone told you, you can't, you shouldn't, you look, whatever it is. And I know grown men that have worked through that in their 60s that -hmm. are saying, well, my dad always said, "Ooh, how long has your dad been gone? And you're still living that identity of this is what I am. Like a label, right? Like they give you a label and then you never, you don't even realize it. You, it it just becomes, it's like a lie that you believe and then take it on as your own truth. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, what's interesting too about that topic is also on the flip side of this is that a lot of times people don't see how great they are. Right. And, and like, and as coaches, we see so much more in people than they see in themselves. And we're like, Mm -hmm. why don't you see this? Like, you know, so there's like both sides to that. And so when you talk about identity, you know, sometimes it is related to your title and your accomplishments, but sometimes it's related to the stories that you're told and your Mm -hmm. own stinking thoughts, right. That are not positive uh, and that you don't see the greatness within you. So, and that's a struggle too. Like, let's, Oh, in every direction here. I love this. Yes. Well, and and the identity issue too is how many people you just said when you ident- identify as your um, title, that's not who you are. You know, I've said this and I I can call out my husband on this. It's okay. He knows I do a lot of podcast speaking and he's already heard this one before. But whenever he starts slipping into that, I say, well, wait a minute. What about best grandpa I've ever seen? What about fantastic spouse? What about neighbor beyond compare? What about all those other accomplishments that people forget about. And I think it can be a little bit gender biased, depending on your age in our culture as well. Sure. As uh, same with women of a certain generation that were mothers and, you know, afraid to take the risks and change it. Or once the children leave, who am I now? There's so many different transitions we go through in life. And the best part of your identity is you can take it off and on just like a coat. Right. I mean, I have changed. I've switched my identity so many times. The basis, basic me, the authentic me is underneath all of that. But what I do for a living or the hobbies I partake in, those change. And so my identity changes. And once we grasp onto an identity, again, it can be so limiting. So. Again, I go through that with my clients and we decide what type of identity, where do you want to live authentically? Because a big part of it, it's another crisis we have in our culture is an authenticity crisis. There are people living their lives that do not feel authentic about what they're doing. And that old, you know, God imposter syndrome, how many thousands of times have we heard that word? But People are living like that every day. And that, to me, I can't believe you will ever find true fulfillment unless you live authentically. You are speaking to the choir here because I I uh, recently did a podcast episode for a podcast called Your Relationship With, and it was Authenticity. And we talked a whole episode on authenticity and why Mm -hmm. you need it and what happens when you're not being authentic and how you can't live your best life. And unbelievable. So I love what you're saying here. I absolutely love this. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And and when you're determining your authenticity, that's when we bring in a lot of our values exercises. Now, there's a lot of values exercises out there, but because of the programs that I teach, It's so in-depth. I mean, we dig deep. And I have witnessed between my students and some of my co-trainers, I've witnessed some things where people are my age, even a little older. They've said, ah, I don't even know if I ever had that as a value, but it's been part of my what I thought I did every day. That was something my parents valued. 
What a shock. I had, I had uh, one of my partners, um, she and I went through the value exercise and this one was like a good three hour um, exercise we did together. And her top, one of her top values was fun. She started to cry. She said, I can't even remember the last time I had fun. And I started to cry when I was done with my exercise because I was having tears of joy. I said, my top four, this is what I live every day. Mm. I don't feel inauthentic. I'm incongruency. And that's all you could ask out of life. And love me or leave me. It is who I am. Right. Like we're altering people's ideas of us because we're not authentic. But then we worry, what if they find out the truth? We live the whole relationship or friendship or whatever, you know, we're engaged in with them in worrying about if they find out the truth that they might not like us for who we are. Oh, my gosh, those are not the friends you want anyway. You need to be authentic and be with the ones that love you and And that they know the truth and love you anyway, right? They know your flaws. They know your faults. They know your shortcomings and they love you anyway. Those are your people. Uh, But to hide things like that and try to not look human, right? Because we're human. We're not all perfect. Uh, I love this. This is so good. So good. (laughs) Well, you know, the the whole idea of not being yourself, um, if you look at, again, we'll look at a lot of our society, how many stress issues and and this medicine and and do this and do that how much of that stress is avoidable we have control over almost all the things that cause us stress and part of it is living authentically and living by your values and also not being afraid of other people's opinions the old notion that what is it uh, if you only knew how little people think of you Yeah. I mean, and you're busy thinking, well, like me, I put the headphones on and I thought, oh, gee, now my hair. Oh, I just took a shower and I fixed it. Oh, now what am I going to do? No. No, I'm over here saying you look like a pro. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it's just it's because it takes a long time to undo these habits that we have built for years and years and years. And that comes back to why my program is six months because those weekend things and those day things, they're great, but you're going to slip right back into all those things. And I know we're going to talk about it later about something that I have to offer for free. Um, What we do with this thing that I'm offering is we start assessing our environment. Another thing I work with, with my clients is let's who you spend most of your day with. You know, the Jim Rohn saying you become the average of the five people you spend your time with. Well, in my program, we we work with the teachings of Abraham Hicks and so many others. And the idea that you come up with real and fictional mentors. Now, you're one of my mentors because I never even thought I was going to do speaking and look at a year ago. I mean, it just wasn't even on my radar. And so there are people in your life that make a difference and you put them on your boardroom. Those are your people. And whether they're actually in your life or not, it's almost like that. What would Jesus do type of thing where you have a situation? You say to yourself, hmm, I got to figure this out. And what would the person that I look up to that I respect? 
What would they do in this situation? So you you have those people as your boardroom, but you also have your guides, people that are, you know, like my guides are goddesses. Because being a woman, I have, you know, Athena and all of these wonderful goddesses that help me in times of challenge, but also I'm grateful for that they're all a part of me. But and then that's a whole nother topic, gratitude. That's a <laughs> Oh my gosh, you can't be authentic and you can't be all of these other things and have a fulfilled life if you don't have gratitude as part of it. But oh, that, I love this. That's a that's another hour long. Right. Right. <laughs> so, well, we're going back to uh, and this all falls into that creating your second act. But let's go back to some of the things like uh, money, time. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you touched a little bit on like the goal setting as far as like, you know, what do I want this to look like? But let's let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, the goal setting comes back to the values. When we get to the point where we know intrinsically our congruent values, then we do. uh, I do a multitude of exercises, much of which are, you know, I'm I'm sure strewn across many different programs. But the exercise is like a hot pen where you take 10 minutes and you envision what would your life be like in five years? What do you truly want to see happening in your life? Not what you don't want. A lot of times people will say, well, I, I don't want this or I don't want that. No, because I'm also a big proponent and a part of my teachings, a lot of my teachings um, are involved with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza rewiring your brain, okay, breaking the habit of being yourself. So envisioning the goals already achieved and not only the energy that is emitted, but there is research to show that it physiologically changes the body when we have these positive thoughts, when we imagine as if our goals have already been met. So I can take you down the strategic and the left brain, the tactical, all of that. But we start with the inner first. Let's look at all of the inner reasons, because I'm a big fan of vision boards, but I think they leave a couple of steps out. A lot of the ones I've participated in. One of the big ones is, is I've seen people make vision boards that I know personally, and I know they don't believe they deserve what's on that vision board. So if we're not taking the time to work inwardly to find out what do we feel we deserve and let's bring that back, get rid of all, again, take out all of the garbage that's been put inside of us by ourselves, by our environment and start putting in the good stuff. I love that. But, and that's so true. Like people put that on there, but they don't really believe it. And every time they look at it, they think, oh, that would be so nice, but I can't do that. And they're almost mm-hmm. solidifying the fact that they don't believe they can do it every time they look at it. And that's really difficult. So I love what you're saying. And what we pay attention to grows. So even though those fancy pictures of skinny bodies and great vacation destinations are all over that board, if you don't believe it, then you're just reinforcing your misbeliefs or unbeliefs. And uh, that's so good. So talk about money. Let's talk about this money thing. My gosh, people have, you know, saved and invested for retirement. And now here we are in this uprising of the cost of everything, right? Everything costs more. How, what does that look like? You know, and how do you coach your clients through these types of things where they're saving for one economy and now they're retiring in a different one? 
Well, I still the money issue is something that is across the board, uh, a crippling, a crippling. Um, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, the opinion. Again, I know a lot of people that come from the scarcity mode. So it's always um, might not have enough. I'll be happy when I get. And instead of being of the moment and being happy with what they have now, I I would say when it comes to money and retirement, that's when I work in collaboration with my financial advisors, because most of my clients do not have money issues. They have money issues on afraid to spend it or they don't think they deserve it. So they don't enjoy spending it. But wow. most of the clients, oh yeah, can you imagine? No. I have, oh yeah, yeah. I have I, actually. It's fu- it's funny because my clients are all over the globe: Bul- Bulgaria, Romania, Greece. And there's this one gentleman from San Diego who's in a yacht club gated community, and he lives life. He enjoys everything, and he's not one of my clients, but he's going to work with me in collaboration because he lives with a bunch of people that could stack their money to the ceiling and do nothing but complain about life, and they're retired. And he says, I can't stand to be around them. He said, they don't get it. They don't understand that they're living abundantly, and there's so much joy, and this is one issue they don't even have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And it's the one most other people do, right? right. The more right. of the world is is worrying about it right now than than not. So, so let's talk about focus. Well, part of what I deal with with my clients now, this necessarily, yeah, this is quite often in retirement too. If you think about the folks that need certainty, if they haven't learned how to focus then they're really lost. But um, we do exercises on how to um, prioritize and realize, again, with time, focus and time, we all have the same amount of time. And what happens with most people that lose focus is the stress, the uncertainty, uh, the imposed, I'm only going to succeed if. So they've lost faith. I mean, Focus is not a huge part of what I do with retirement people. Retirement people, most of the folks I work with, it is joy for life. I'm teaching them to let go of the notion that it is mandatory that you slow down. That's a a, a huge one. I mean, if you have your health, you have the finances, you have things in order, and you still feel unfulfilled. So we need to look at all of that and find, for me, there's so much vitality left in our lives. Other cultures, the blue zones of the world, they get this. Yes. Our country, not so much. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. They, you know, they say life starts at 60, right? When people were thinking about retiring, it's like, we're just gearing up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If they don't have all of the issues again. So those are my my ideal clients are not the ones that have it figured out. Right. (laughs) My ideal clients are the ones that are lost. I mean, it is an epidemic in our country now of retirement age people that are depressed, suicidal, lonely. I mean, uh, angry. I've worked this hard and this is all I have to show for it Mm -hmm. and worried about their legacy. That's the other thing. 
to me, your legacy is how you live your life on this earth while you're here. Right. And what we do in our program is once we've dissected and we've now put in purpose and direction, then we come up with a whole new psychology of ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And that, and I think that's where the second act comes in, right? Is yes. like we create yes. and get all this in order so that we're set and everything is in order and we're able to move into that second act. I'm going to, we're going to do a mic drop now. I saved this one okay. for last. Uh, talk to me about procrastination. Okay. Well, the reason, there's many reasons why people procrastinate, but a good question for you. Why is it that people that seem to be very, very motivated, procrastinate. A lot of it has to do with limiting beliefs. A lot of it has to do with feeling that they're not worthy to succeed in whatever it is that they're procrastinating about. And this goes back to, again, the notion that getting rid of some of that stuff that we've been told about ourselves. And again, when you're from the before you're seven years old and your brain hasn't formed yet, so many messages have been sent to us about not being worthy and you're not good enough and everything else. And so to take, get rid of some of that stuff, I really, the number one reason for procrastination for most people, besides there are lazy people too. I mean, we're not sure. going to, you know, some people just want to, they're tired. Say they want to do it and then don't want to do it. Yeah. But seriously, it is limiting beliefs and fear of failure. So if I don't try it, then I won't fail. Or what will people think? What if it yes. doesn't work out? Yes. And then yeah. there's the letting go, right? In procrastination, people are afraid to let go of the labels because that is their identity. Well, like, oh, yeah. Who, who oh, I'll never be. Yeah. I've always been it. bad at math. I can't do that. I'm not, you know, yeah, you that'll get never work out. Yes. Yeah, you're comfortable yeah. with that story and you're not, you're not willing to change the story because it's more comfortable to just stay that whoever you are in that moment. But again, how do we redesign our psychology? A big part is this internal work that is really, really tough because outer word, world follows inner world. This is the stuff we work on first before we're going to see any type of success in the outer world. And also being confident, but also, again, with the gratitude, being aware that you are blessed, the things you have every day it's a blessing. And when you, when you're worried about what other people think about you, when you're worried about perfection, all of those things, it's stunting. I mean, it, as I said earlier, when we were talking, the idea of observing instead of participating, mm. you know, um, there's research that shows there's three regrets that people have at the end of their life. One is not living authentically. Another is not achieving their dreams and not allowing themselves to be happy. Because a good portion of people that I know, I don't hang around with a lot of those people anymore, but they, they used to be part of my life years ago. Um, we're always waiting for that time when they're going to be happy. Like we say retirement, but you know, you know them. Oh, when I get a divorce, when I get married, when I lose weight, when I gain weight, when I, when I go on vacation. When I, mm. What about what? now? Because you can never run out of now. 
Oh, I love that. You could never run out of now. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Ah, oh, there's your mic drop. <laughs> you can never run out of now. I love that. All right. Anything else you want to share as we wrap this up and move on? Um, anything else they need to know? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, uh, I think retirement to me, what also is like a, a stick in my side is the people that I know that it they're suffering unnecessarily. If you know, you can't want something more for someone than they want it, but it it pains me that they have one foot, one toe already planning for the grave and they've decided I can't do this anymore. I can't do that anymore. And I, Wait a minute. You physically can. And maybe you can't run that marathon, but you can swim or you can do something else. And it just that to me now, I, I tell my friends, we all have ideas in our heads when we when we, when we do our jobs and you, and for me, I call myself like the Paul Revere. I want to get out there and spread the word. There is so much more left in this chapter of your life or chapters. Mm. We've got another 30 years. Let's grab it by the horns and, the and make the most of it. I mean, it's a huge chunk of life. It and is. why are we settling for society telling us that we're not so useful anymore? Why are we settling for, well, this is all I know how to do. What did you like to do when you were young? What have you dreamed about? Now is the time. Another thing I say all the time, it's not mine. I don't know where I got it from. You're never too old to have a happy childhood. If you had trauma or something else, you could be 60 and go out there and, you know, be around kids. Do what, whatever makes you happy, but to, to limit yourself. Now's not the time to do that. You know, someday when maybe physically you can't do it anymore, do you want to look back and say, gee, I wish I had talked to Rosemary a few years earlier, worked on some of this stuff. Mm, that's what I was going to ask you. What is the age of the people that you work with? I work with... My youngest was 38. That's fabulous. Because they're was, getting it right. His eyes were open. His yes. eyes were open. He heard me speak and he said, oh, he recognized the just, and he said it to me, it was the basic needs. Mm. It's like, holy cow, I am my job. Well, and you know, what's really interesting about that is as you and I are talking about retirement, like in the in our 60s kind of thing. Today, these young kids are retiring at 40 and 45 and they're retiring. Some of the women are retiring their spouses at 35 mm -hmm. years old. Uh, and so it's so different and they really need to get it right now. They can't wait until they're ready to retire because if they get it right now, they can retire early and live even more happy yes. life. Right. Yes. And yeah, so it's not I it's not an that. age limit. Yes. You know, when I say 40 and up, I would love to see people in their 20s thinking about this. Yes. I mean, just the idea that, you know what, I am much more than what I do for a living and recognizing, oh, I do need certainty. Uh Oh, that's a huge stressor. If that's one of your number one needs, you're in for a life of stress. Mm. 
That's interesting. Well, and the, and a lot of the group that I work with and network with are young in their late 20s that are already multimillionaires. They're not working till they're 65. They uh-huh. are going to retire and live the life they want uh, for the rest of their life. And so I just love this message and we need to get it out to some of those young ones too, so that they can get you know, caught up and get ready to retire early and have their best life ever. I love this. Oh my gosh. Live fulfilled and authentically, no matter what age they are. God bless them if they can retire young, but let's make sure that they're feeling the joy. Right. In that retirement. This is so good. Oh my gosh. All right. So let's talk about what you have going on. So one of the things you do is you uh, do a discovery call with people. So let's talk about the discovery call and how people can reach out to you for that. The discovery call is to me, it reminds me of when I used to be a personal trainer. One of my pet peeves when I worked in several gyms is personal trainers that would put someone on the same machine as the person before with the same settings and so on and so on. I do a conversation with folks and let's learn about your needs, your desire. What are you having trouble with? Uh, You know, you name it. We run the gamut. It can take an hour long and it's wonderful. Not only do I learn more about them, I learn more about myself every time I do a discovery call. There's always some unique thing that they say and I go, oh, but if they're going to move along with me, I want to make sure that I'm putting them in the right place. And I wouldn't think to just say, okay, well, this is for you. Well, maybe not. Maybe not in this stage of the game. You're not ready to do this deep dive and hard work. And so you're just going to say it didn't work and walk away. One more thing that I just wasted my time on. Mm, you know, there's a commitment yeah. involved in working on and working a program like this. It sounded like I was talking about AA working your program. <laughs> it is, but, though. You know, I mean, it's self-discovery It's and it's admitting the things that you need to change. Yeah. And the people that you need to weed out and the people you need to seek out. That's part of that peer group challenge that I'm, I was talking about to look at who is pulling me down. I've heard you say it. I say it all the time. Those soul suckers, the dream, the dream squashers. Yeah. And who are the people that rise and that help you and support you and make you feel energized when you're around them? Yes. And they take you with them. They're not stepping mm-hmm. on you. They're pulling you up. And that is the way it should be. I love that. All right. And then you also have a freebie. So tell us about your free resource. That is, it's called a peer group challenge. Now it's a challenge for you. Let's put it that way. It's not a challenge against anybody else. It's not a race or anything like that, but it's challenging for an individual because you spend it. There is, I want to say about three hours worth of videotapes where you're going to address Again, the people that are in your life, who are those people that I want to stay? And it is difficult. I've had people say to me, what about your family? Well, I say, if you have one of those in your family, you limit your exposure and also lower your expectations. If you know every time you get on the phone with that person, they're a downer and you're going to tell them something great and they're going to burst your bubble. Know that ahead of time. Maybe you don't tell that person that good news, but this is a great way to start to weed out and fill in. I love it. And that's free. It's on your website. It's on my website. There's a link you can click on and you can get enrolled right away. And with that, 
occasionally when I look in my website and I see there's quite a few enrollments, I throw in maybe a Zoom or two with me where I will see how many people want to get involved. And let's just have a discussion group on some of the insights that you've, you know, because I think that's invaluable. That's, that's a huge part of my six month program is that we have community. I love that. Once a week call. And I can't tell you the amount of times that the insight from one person has totally flipped the perspective of another Mm. and the growth. And I just sit back and I just get to enjoy. I'm, I'm not there to show you how to grow. You learn it yourself, but to also learn it from peers. I mean, it's just for me. I don't there's not enough money in the world that would replace just the feeling I get when I run my program. I love that. Yeah, well, it's yeah. transformation, right? You're transforming yeah. people's lives and you really are helping them craft their second act. And it starts in that place and continues on. So I love that. Oh my gosh. So for our listeners, all the links are in the show notes. So you can click in the links there and get to um, Rosemary's website and also uh, find the information to schedule that conversation with her or uh, sign up to receive that free resource. But Rosemary, tell our listeners where they can find you. There's two ways to find me. LinkedIn is the best. I I just absolutely love the collaborations I have found in LinkedIn are invaluable. So that would be number one or my website. I have all the other social media things, but LinkedIn and my website are the two that I am the most participating in. And tell us what your website is. The website is www.yourtransformationtrainer.com. Love it. And LinkedIn is just my name. So awesome. if you can, that's a mouthful, but Rosemary Carminati. <laughs> well, we'll make sure that link is in there so they can just click it and not have to say that name. But anyway, that was awesome. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing so authentically and giving such great value to our listeners to help them really, really, truly craft their second act at whatever age it comes, if it's mm-hmm. in your 30s or your 40s or your 70s, even uh, how fun. It's never too late. And I love what you said about it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh my gosh. Talk about mic drops here. You guys crazy. (laughs) Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the pod power hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. 
and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. On She's Invincible, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs. We're going to share all the goods. Oh my gosh, you did that so great today. But we're not done because we also promise them that while we're spotlighting you as a successful entrepreneur, that we're also going to pull back the curtain. See, we believe in authenticity too. And so as people compare themselves and they listen to you and they hear you speak and they think, she's so lucky, she's so smart, she's so beautiful, she's so wise, she's so courageous, right? And they think, what's wrong with me? So we love to tell the stories of how you got to be so smart and courageous and resilient and all those things. So are you ready to tell some fun stories? Always. Oh my gosh, let's go. <laughs> All right. So real quick, we're going to tell the story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Well, the greatest part of my journey was rediscovering myself. When I went through this process, um, it'll come out in bad and ugly. Um, I didn't think it was still, I was still in there. And not only have I rediscovered myself, but I'm a, a bigger, better a happier version and a version that actually I can say, honest to God, I've had stress beyond stress in the last couple of years and I'm always in a even keel sense of peace. I have such a peace and a faith in myself and a faith in my higher power and a faith in the people that I've surrounded myself with that there's just about nothing that gets me down. I love that. That's awesome. That is great. That's that's fantastic. Okay, so we're going to tell a story about the bad. We'll save the ugly for last. So tell us a story about the bad part of this journey. Oh, gosh. Well, the bad part of this journey. Remember, I said my children said I was Forrest Gump. But well, in my in my teens, in the in my early life, when I was in high school, uh, I had some character building events happen to me. I like to say character building. We call them graduation events in my program. Things that taught us lessons and brought us to the resilience and the resourcefulness that I have now. Um, when I was 14, I was kidnapped and held at gunpoint. 
Yes. And it was in that moment that that was the first spark of resourcefulness that just came upon me. And it's a long story, so I won't get into that. Sure. But it was just one of those defining moments in my life. First of all, could have been very tragic because we had we were about to be put into a car to be brought to New York City, my sister and I, for sex trafficking. And I knew in my soul, my gut and everything, if I didn't get away then and that would be it. I'd either be dead or lost, who knows where. And just something in me just... I got myself out. Let's put it that way. So, and then in my, when I was 18, I was sexually assaulted in college by a good friend, which then in turn, I ended up as 18 year olds would do instead of dealing with the trauma and the pain, I got married (laughs) to my high school sweetheart because that would fix everything. And subsequent 23 years old, I was divorced. So those were eventful experiences to say the least. I mean, things that have definitely formed who I am. And that's just the bad. So tell us a story about the ugly part of the journey. You know, I know a lot of people don't like to share their ugly. I love to share my ugly because it's brought me to where I am. Um, I myself and my husband experienced a decade. We like to call the decade of fire. We had some huge family crisis within our house. And it was a full decade. And me, strong, resilient, Rosemary. I mean, my mother used to call me Rosie the Riveter, a Riveter, excuse me. I thought it was Riveter, like the frog. But anyway, I always thought of myself, okay, I've been through this. I've been through this. I've been through this. Keep going, keep going. Well, I was 15th round, 20th round, whatever you want to call it, down for the count. And at the end of this decade, I I used to call myself a living corpse. I took in air. And that's about all I felt I was worthy of. And that's when I started this journey. And when I say ugly, I mean, the the fact I, I say to my husband all the time and to friends that are going through crisis is, you know, first of all, have faith. But what the, those that crisis taught me was it's almost like um, not an attitude of bring it on, but it's going to take a heck of a lot for me to get stressed or upset because I've walked through the fire and I've not only risen, but feeling better, stronger, happier than I ever have been. And after all of that too, in finding myself and everything else in the last year and a half, I had a bout with cancer and I lost my sister, my best friend. That's ugly too. Yeah. 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 So how if I hadn't done all of this work, I don't know where I would be right today. If it was seven years ago, I used to say I didn't have the courage to kill myself, but that's where I was seven years ago. That's Mm -hmm. how bad it had accumulated this whole decade of just and to to now a life that every day I use the the Winnie the Pooh saying today is my new favorite day. And I add. And I'm going to squeeze every drop of life out of it. I love that so much. Oh, my gosh. So tell me this. And this is mostly for our listeners. But how did you continue? Because, you know, when we get to the ugliest part, we don't think we can go on. So what were some of the things you did or you told yourself 
to help you to be able to even take that next step? <sighs> I know you've got to think back because you're a different person now, but yeah. this helps our listeners because sometimes they'll be listening and they're in the same place where they don't think they can go on. They don't you think know, they could take again. You know what I think it was? I think now that I haven't thought about this in a while, I believe it was, again, my sister. Not that she said anything to me, but in myself, after watching her struggle for decades with three different cancers. And when she was first diagnosed, she was 12 and they said she had 30 days to live and you know, I think something within me said, well, 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 wait a minute. I can't let go of my life. I don't think I said it consciously, but I think I got to the point where, okay, this will not take me down. If my will sister not. did this and this and sure. this, how could I even think yes. about it? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So sometimes it's really like hitching your wagon to a star, right? Like mm -hmm. your sister was that star that gave you that inner inspiration and drive that you needed for that second wind of like that next phase of get back up. Right. And that's what mm -hmm. this podcast is all about. It's about getting back up. It's about putting on those gloves and getting back in the ring one more round. And I love how you said, like, I don't know if it was the 15th or the 20th round. It doesn't matter. You just get back up one more time. You don't have to mm -hmm. keep score. You just have to do it one more time. And I love that. And I always love to ask that when people are faced with such devastation, like, what is it? So for you, it was just that inner sister of, you know, that was coming out. And there was one other thing. Now that I think about it, it was for the first time in my life, I reached out for help. Oh, that's huge. Because I self-imposed my whole life, seeing that my sister was always sick. Well, I'm not going to ask for help. Who am I to ask for help? Do it yourself. Figure it out. Right. And I reached out and I knew that I needed help. Mm. Another, whew, you got me on that one. I hadn't even, yeah, that was, that was huge. And it's still, it's one of those things. And I'm sure I'm not alone in how many of us fight that urge to ask for help. And now I've learned it's a gift you give other people mm. to let them help you. Absolutely. And to have a part in the story of yes. your comeback, right? Of your, your life and your transformation. And we do, when we try to do it on our own, first of all, we're not good enough to do it on our own. We do, If we could have, we would have a long time ago, right? So it's like, we're not capable. I hate to say good enough. We're not capable of doing it on our own or we would have. Uh, but when we ask for help, we're allowing other people to play a part in our transformation, which is very rewarding. And that's their way of contributing. That's their right. way of making contribution as you spoke about those basic needs and love. I mean, oh my gosh, growth, significance. Like when you ask for help, you're giving the helper all of those things that people need. I just love this. Um, full circle. That was it. Huh? Well, this has been amazing. So before we say goodbye, I want to remind our listeners to click the link in the show notes because you may need to reach out for help too. And Rosemary can help you. Um, but Rosemary, I would love for you to finish this sentence for me. The world would be a better place if more people knew 
blank? Oh, gosh. All we need is love. It's so simple. If Makes we me want to sing that Beatles song. Yes. yes. But All you need is love. It is basic and simple. Caring about each other and raising the significance of others. Mic drop. All right, you guys. I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground right now, get back up. I don't care what number it is, what round it is. It doesn't matter. Just get back up. You can do it. I know it feels like you can't. It always feels like you can't. But I'm telling you, you can and you have to trust me on this one. Tell them, Rosemary. You know what? It's first of all, it's never too late. There is so much to discover and and to experience. I mean, uh, I'm I'm at a loss for words because I get told all the time I'm Pollyanna. And why are you always smiling? Because I truly have a joy for life. And you know what I'm going to end with? I work on my mission statement and identity statements all the time. My current identity statement is I am an inspiring, vibrant mentor and distributor of hope who spreads wisdom and celebrates uniqueness and growth by empowering others to reinvent themselves and ignite their potential. Oh my gosh, you guys, just get back up one more time because your best life is waiting for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at CammieLeeman.com. I can't wait to meet you.